Welcome back to the GHG Cast, a window into the world of a Canadian company with a big idea to become the global reference for greenhouse gas emissions in the interest of reducing them. I'm Alexander Milas, and for this quick cast, we virtually sat down with someone who's all about maintaining a bird's eye view of emissions. He's the manager of Airborne Systems at GHG Set, and he joins us from their headquarters in Calgary. Welcome, Warren Shaw. Hello, Warren. Thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, so tell us, in the uh, end of uh, 2019, you launched uh, a different sort of uh, device, the company's first aircraft center. Now, what was your role in all of that? And tell us a little bit about your background. What, what is it precisely that you do as a manager of airborne systems at GHG Sat? Well, my background is sort of a physics and astrophysics background and by education, but uh, as far as work experience, um, I had uh, over, over 10 years experience in airborne hyperspectral imaging uh, and thermal imaging. So, so that's kind of how I got connected into GHG Sat uh, when, you know, the idea was to uh, take that same kind of satellite technology and put it onto a, to an aircraft platform. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's kind of why I joined uh, early 2018, and and yeah, like you said, uh, late 2019 we had uh, sort of our our first launch with our um, airborne platform uh, to to sort of uh, you know manage monitor and detect emissions uh, fr from a different platform than the satellite. So, so so how do you prepare for something like that? And and I guess going back before even that, what was the need for it all? What was the actual spark? that you know, brought this kind of very innovative kind of technology about them? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it, the, the idea to have the airborne platform actually came from our, our customer base. So as we were talking to some of our, our partners and customers, uh, you know, related to the satellite technology, you know, they were saying, hey, this is great, but, but we, see, you know, we see a need for perhaps another tool in our toolbox to be able to you know monitor our missions and and bringing it from you know from 500 kilometers up with the satellite you know down to that um, aircraft level it gives you a different picture of the of the ground uh, gives you a different picture of the facilities that could be potentially leaking and so it was really um, so, some uh, interest from from that community that that set us on this path to uh, you know taking that satellite technology um, it's at the heart of it it's the same kind of spectrometer system. Uh, but sort of packaging it in a way that could be installed in a in a fixed wing airplane to do the surveys from from an aircraft altitude. Well, you know, uh, we were talking a little bit about Iris, but of course, I suppose every launch carries with it a lot of emotion. So tell us about that first flight, the launch of GHG Sat AV1. Yeah, so so AV1, I mean, just uh, so aircraft variant is kind of what the AV stands for, and that's really what it is. It's it's a variation of what we did with the satellite to put into an aircraft platform. And uh, yeah, our, our first flight, our first light flight uh, was, was December of 2019. So I definitely uh, had a lot of emotions. I definitely felt the cold as well. It was a pretty cold day for that first flight, uh, but we got airborne. Uh, the system worked really well, which, is, which was obviously all really great. Uh, and we were able to collect some data, put it through its paces and, uh, and really sort of you know, kick the tires on this new system and, and, um, and get that first, uh, first kind of look at the ground. And, and obviously after the flight was sort of the follow on the processing and, and, and digging into the data and seeing if there's things that we could optimize. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely really exciting, you know, really rewarding to see all the hard work um, over, you know, over the couple of years leading up to that uh, and all the efforts of the team um, coming together and, and uh, yeah, sort of, you know, realizing, realizing that, uh, you know, with that flight was great. Well, no kidding. I mean, I, I suppose, you know, GHG set, 
is about satellites. You know, the, the clue is in the name, right? You know, so sure. how did you adapt that satellite technology for aircraft? Right, yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, at the heart of it, it's, it's still the same kind of fundamental imaging spectrometer system based on our patented Fabry-Perot uh, uh, system. So, you know, um, the, the, the light comes in and um, you have a, a two-dimensional imaging array. And uh, so you have the two spatial dimensions, but kind of imprinted on that is that is that spectral information. So we're looking at a very narrow spectral band. That's obviously where methane um, uh, will absorb the solar illumination on the ground. And so as we image, the, the strength of that absorption feature then is proportional to the, the abundance of methane uh, in your field of view. So at the heart of it, it's, it's using all that same kind of technology. And uh, so as you have that two-dimensional image of the ground and the forward motion of the satellite or the forward motion of the plane, you can image the same ground point at different points on the detector, which in turn is sampling that ground point at different wavelengths. And you can build up that hyperspectral data cube. So th th that's, that's the system. What's, what's neat about it is uh, you know, the idea that, okay, well, we want to put it into a quite a different environment. Uh, so, so satellites, it's great. You know, you 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 launch this thing, and you've got that crazy, uh, um, uh, you know, several minutes of a lot of vibration g forces. But once you get to space, it's a nice smooth ride for your imaging. On the aircraft side of things, we don't have to survive a, a launch. Uh, you know, those types of conditions. But the actual conditions that we're imaging in as we're flying along, uh, you're going to be dealing with things like turbulence, and you're going to be dealing with uh, you know winds or um, you know, other, other factors, temperature changes, things like that. So, so, uh, yeah, we definitely had to kind of keep the core technology there, um, but put it in a, in a, in a system that could, uh, handle the aircraft environment. And so things that we're doing, we're including some, you know, vibration damping, uh, we're including some gyro stabilization to compensate for the aircraft motion, uh, things like that. So, yeah. So what is gyro stabilization exactly? Basically, what we're trying to do with gyro stabilization is as, as the plane's flying along, it's, it's, its attitude, its roll and pitch and yaw and all that is, is changing. And so gyro stabilization, what it does is it, um, using gyros, and it can even be more elaborate using an actual uh, IMU kind of GNS system that actually kind of senses where the plane is at any given instant, and then it sort of compensates for that. So as, as the plane is rolling and pitching and yawing, the gyro stabilization system is compensating for that. So it keeps your camera as smooth and as steady as possible as you're flying down your flight line. So what's great about that is it allows you to keep nice straight flight lines as you're going down and, and not uh, kind of wobbling all over. Um, but it also means that you don't have to have as much side lap between the flight lines um, because your, your, your camera staying nice and nadir, um, meaning looking straight down. Uh, as it flies along. And so um, without that gyro stabilization, you might have to sort of overlap your flight lines a little bit more to make sure you don't miss anything on the ground. Uh, but by having that, you can be more confident that you're, you're seeing everything along there and you can space your lines out a little bit more, which of course means that you get to have more coverage of an area um, to be able to cover more at a lower cost for our customers. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I suppose it's all about having a different view, a different perspective. So tell us about what you can see that you can't actually see from orbit. What, what are the advantages of doing all this? 
Yeah, of course. So yeah, again, 500 kilometers up and our, our nominal kind of uh, flying altitude would be about three kilometers up. So obviously we're a lot closer to the ground and that gives us some, some great advantages, certainly the spatial resolution. So, um, you know, a, a pixel on the satellite that might be 25 kilometers uh, coverage, you know, our pixel coverage, our spatial resolution at, at, a, at a nominal altitude uh, is getting down to less than one meter. So we have a much finer spatial look at all the different facilities and assets that we're flying over. Uh, so we have that ability to resolve the location of any emissions detected uh, more finely. So rather than just getting it to perhaps the same pad or the same facility, we, we could potentially resolve it down to a certain piece of infrastructure on that facility, something like that. So, so there's definitely spatial resolution advantages to going lower. And combined with that, there's a, a detection threshold um, advantage as well. So because we're closer to the ground, uh, the, the signals that we see, um, you know, the, the, the shape of the plume is going to be more well resolved. And so we'll be able to actually see smaller emissions, things that will be kind of a lost among the background from a space. Um, you know, we actually have that pixel resolution to see it. And so we can actually see uh, smaller leaks. And so we have a detection and threshold um, advantage as well. So uh, roughly an order of magnitude improvement from our, our IRIS satellite um, when we get down to the AV instrument. So those are, those are the two main things. Of course, there's a bit of a cost. Um, you know, with the satellite, one of the great advantages is obviously you can image the globe multiple times a day all over the world. With, with an airborne platform, uh, you do have to deploy to the region that you want to fly. Uh, and then cover that region. And, and certainly there's the aircraft cost itself. Uh, but, uh, but like you said, you know, it's, it's that idea of kind of the fact that these two things could work together. You know, you could have satellite monitoring on a, on a weekly basis, uh, maybe fly the plane a couple of times a year or every quarter, whatever the customer needs are. And the combination of those two views of the ground and the benefits that each of them bring uh, really sort of puts this together as a, as a neat uh, system that can can help operators meet their monitoring and detection needs. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it sounds like a, a a really great stereo view of things. Certainly, I mean, just having those perspectives is so helpful. So, give us an example, you know, of measuring with a controlled release. Then, right? Yeah. So, controlled releases are really important. Um, so, this is where this is where uh, you know you ha would have someone on the ground who is at a known location, uh, you know, releasing some. Uh, methane or compressed natural gas is typically what's used, and uh, and then you and then you fly over with the plane or with the satellite, and so then you have a known location with a known uh, measured ground rate, uh, and then you can use your you know you you can use that information to validate and verify uh, what's going on with your aircraft sensor or even with your satellite as well, and so we definitely want um, as we as we commission these uh, new technologies, the new airborne instrument, the new satellites. Uh, we definitely want to build into our, our plan these, these opportunities to release a little bit of gas to help us with that validation, which gives us the confidence then to go out and when we measure something out, out there in the world um, where we don't have any information about the ground control, then because we've gone through that process, we can have a good idea of, 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 of our system is performing. And so when we make a measurement, it's trustworthy and reliable. So yeah, so what that looks like uh, as far as from the airplane perspective, um, one of my colleagues, Hanford, he'd be typically on the ground uh, working with one of our partners to uh, have, a, have a, uh, a trailer with a lot of uh, natural gas uh, in it with appropriate flow meters and controllers and, and the piping and the stack and all that. Uh, and then, yeah, we're in communication uh, as, as the plane's coming in and we would do multiple passes, uh, you know, varying the, the rate of emission 
uh, perhaps varying the, the angle or the heading that the plane's flying it at. And uh, yeah, just building up a good set of data to, um, to, to get that assessment of our system. And it's the same with the satellite as well. So, you know, we would you know, know when the satellite is overpassing that location and uh, get everything timed uh, correctly to uh, have the release uh, and a plume ready to go. So it's imaged by the satellite. And we've even done uh, a couple of times where we've had both the satellite and the aircraft uh, there at the same time, sort of coordinating, a, you know, that, that, that double picture of, and, and coupling it with the ground control as well. So uh, putting it all together into, into a little uh, experimental campaign. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting, but I guess it begs the question of how does this compare with other approaches? You know, how are other uh, companies currently tracking emissions and, and, and what are their methods and what are, the, what are the advantages and the disadvantages of the way that they're doing it? Yeah, of course. So, so most of, most of uh, let's, uh, speaking specifically of oil and gas infrastructure, there's obviously a lot of emissions regulations uh, governing those types of operations. And methane regulations in a lot of jurisdictions in North America and around the world, and uh, you know the, the standard ways that those types of missions are being uh, monitored is is sort of on-site ground-based measurements where you would have a, a team of people coming. Um, you know they might have an optical gas imaging camera to sort of get a get a picture of the the infrastructure, uh, looking for any releases of methane. Um, uh, another an, uh, another way is uh, with a little uh, a sniffer, basically. So you'd hold it up and you'd be sampling the air, looking for the for the, the methane molecules. So those two are kind of the, the main ways that are out there to both detect and to quantify um, emissions from a site. What's great is you're you're right there at the in, at the uh, at the infrastructure that could be leaking, uh, so you can find those small leaks. Um, but it does take time. You have to go all the way around and look at it, and you have to go site to site to site. And so there's a lot of travel, a lot of costs associated with that, uh, some health and safety with having crews on the rows in these remote locations. Um, so that's where we see kind of some of these alternative technologies as being a real advantage, uh, especially um, GSGSAT's approach with the satellite and the airborne. These are remotely sensed uh, approaches. We don't need to have any presence on the ground. Um, with the satellite, you can view anywhere in the world. With the airborne, you know, you get the plane out to the location where you're interested and you fly over and there's no direct site access and you can cover a lot of facilities uh, in, in one campaign in the air, airplane. So, uh, so that idea is that, uh, yeah, you, you, you can get a lot more coverage. You can look for those big leaks, especially from the satellite, can find the biggest ones, have that kind of routine monitoring. Combine that with the aircraft to, to perhaps catch those next level of emissions that the satellite didn't see, but the airplane can see. And with that, what you're really doing is you're finding, you know, obviously, the, the, if the problem is to reduce emissions, you got to find those big ones and, and address those first. So you can really uh, give our customer base actionable insight to find those, uh, you know, find those big emissions, and uh, and then they can take you the appropriate steps, whether that's following it up with ground teams to, you know find the exact flange or the exact seal that's leaking and make the correction. Um, or even if we're coupling in with some of their ongoing monitoring campaigns, uh, again, they, you know, they could go to the sites that are known to be leaking because they've been kind of screened and assessed uh, through these remote technologies. So, um, I mean, of course, you know, you mentioned the customers and it's, it's all about the data, you know. Uh, so tell us, how are you guys making it easier for people to, to access the information that these incredible tools are generating. Yeah, definitely. That's another another area. Obviously, um, if if the information isn't easily accessible and available, and uh, 
you know, then then some of that insights just doesn't get communicated on, and, and you know, the results, the end results uh, don't happen. So so definitely, um, we're we're making efforts on our analytics side and in our uh, sort of customer facing interface to um, have portals and dashboards available to our customers. So as data is coming in, it's being processed and and uploaded, and then it's available for them to uh, to access and interact with using you know a GIS layer and 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 it can sync in with some of their uh, other, perhaps some of their internal uh, systems that they're using to monitor their operations. So definitely uh, kind of getting towards that um, that level of, of making it as easy as possible. And certainly timely, we've got to get those results down from the satellite right away. We've got to get our data turned around as quick as possible. So we're continuing to improve on just uh, our turnaround times to, to get that imagery and, and data processed right away so that if there is any emissions detected, we can alert them right away so they can you know take the steps um, necessary to mitigate it as soon as possible. Wow. You know, I mean, well, I mean, it sounds like you can really pack it in on a day when the conditions are right. But, you know, I suppose it's uh, it's not just about what you're doing right now, but it's also about what's next. I mean, I think anyone who's tuned into the GHD cast before knows that you guys always have something in the pipeline. So, so what's next for aircraft emission monitoring over there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been really exciting just to see how from, from, from last December to now, we've gone from a sort of our first light flight to going through some of these controlled releases, validating the system, getting actual uh, uh, various partner projects and, and commercial projects flowing. And uh, so it's been really exciting and, and definitely uh, 2021 is going to see us uh, continue to, to, to uh, progress on the airborne side of things. We have a second airborne instrument that's uh, currently in the works and we expect to receive that uh, later in 2021. So we'll basically have two instruments now that can service our customers. Um, and different regions, uh, you know, starting in North America, but then potentially uh, around the world as well. So definitely on, on that side of things, we'll have, we'll have a second instrument to do it. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're basing the, the, Calgary, the, um, the airborne instrument out of our Calgary office, which is where I'm at. And uh, so we definitely need to uh, uh, bring on some more people here to support that over the year, not only on the airborne operation side, but perhaps in some of the other teams of GHG set, having, a, having some more presence here in the, in the Calgary office. Um, yeah, so in the next few months, we're, we're probably going to be going back to the U.S. for another campaign down there with the system and, uh, and then gearing up to uh, have that system come back into Canada and uh, do some more flying around Western Canada uh, in, in through the summer. So, I mean, uh, I mean, we're just talking a little bit about process and just what is a normal day like? What sort of things have you actually flown over? Yeah, so uh, a normal day. I mean, every day can have its own unique uniquenesses and challenges. But uh, from an aircraft perspective, obviously, uh, typically you would deploy to a region. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a shale basin in the U.S. Or you know, we've done work in the U.S. and we've done work up in Canada in in sort of Alberta, B.C. areas. Uh, so you'd deploy. Uh, you'd have your project area kind of all flight planned, ready to go, and and it would be that idea of uh, you'd, you'd check the weather. Uh, so one of the neat things, and I guess that's another advantage of, of airborne, is that you know if if it's cloudy, we can choose not to fly. Whereas the satellite, uh, you know, it's 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 where it is, where it is, and uh, you know you lose some observations to clouds. So uh, we do have some operational flexibility with the plane to try to choose the the most ideal conditions. Um, yeah, and so then you would, uh, you know, go through your, you, if, if it's a good day to fly, you'd go through your sort of system checks uh, on the ground before you take off, make sure everything's working, uh, get up in the air, you know, fly, fly for uh, several hours, depending on the, the range of the plane you're using, uh, collect the data, land, uh, do, the, do some backups, get that data kind of ready to be processed as soon as possible. Indeed. Well, I suppose, uh, well, the best thing we could possibly do is 
wish you clear and stable skies. And thank you so much for your time, Warren. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. This has been a GHD Sat QuickCast. We've many more stories to tell, so subscribe to us at ghgsat.com or where all fine podcasts are found. For more news and updates, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at ghgsat. And big thanks to John Mitchell and Lonely Robot for the music.